This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. Judy, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. We have just been catching up before we hit record and then realized we're almost out of time. So we're going to jump in and try <laughs> to record some things. This is how much we, I love these sessions. And just, we did this podcast originally just so that Judy and I could schedule our friendship or like catch up.、Uh, Very true. Because it's definitely important and to be able to plan that. And listen, sometimes with people in your life that you love, you got to like plan out special time and、uh, whatever that's date nights with my husband or friendships or phone calls, like, Things don't always have to come happen easily、uh, to make them special. So, anyway, we want to talk about seed oils this week.、Um, obviously, it's a huge topic in the health space. It's a huge topic in the carnivore space, in the keto space. It's like the, you know, the thing of the year. Like 2022 is the year of like seed oils are toxic. And I think it's an important message. I think it's great that there's more awareness around some of the dangers and the problems with seed oils.、Um, What I think we want to talk about today is like the reality of it, the ideal of it, and then also like how we live our everyday lives, the balance of finding, you know, making things work with your real life. Because I think we went through this thing when like gluten came around, where all of a sudden everything was gluten free. And then like for a year or two, everybody talked about no gluten. And I agree, most people need to avoid gluten,、um, but then some people can tolerate it and are fine. And I think that. The seed oil message that's happening right now is just、um, so strong.、Uh, I think we want to just really get into like very basics. What are seed oils?、Uh, why are they bad for you? And then also, you know, where is the balance of living your everyday life versus optimizing your health? So, Judy, talk to us about、uh, seed oils and why they're so bad for you. <laughs> So, I think there's multiple camps in the whole seed oil space. There's obviously there's people that are 
very anti omega six polyunsaturated fatty acids. Okay, so hang on, back up for a second, though. (laughs) So I think there are people who, when you say that already, like you would have lost me not too long ago to say polyunsaturated omega six. Like, so what is a seed oil in the very most basic term? And then what, you know, where is, what are you explaining when you say that like omega six, omega three balance? Sure. Seed oils are technically all oils that are derived from plants, uh, seeds, for example, cottonseed, cottonseed oil, peanut oil, canola oil that's from the rapeseed plant, and then soybean oil and all of those types of I guess, vegetable oils, but they're, we classify them as seed oils. And they are processed in a way to get every single type of oil from them. And then I think from there, most people agree that why these seed oils are toxic is that the processing of them is not ideal. So think about a cottonseed flower, if that's what it's called, but it's like that white fluffy, and then they you have little bits of seeds in them. And so what they'll do is they had all this leftover seeds and they started processing it. They used it for oils, for lubricants, for other types of things. And then they started saying that, hey, you can use this oil and it's safe to eat. So you can use it to cook your foods in and other things. And they're they're relatively new. They've been just around for maybe, maybe less than 100 years. And there was a big push from Crisco and these other companies that they're safe and that they're proven safe and they're safe enough to eat. And so they're also very cheap, right? So that for manufacturing purposes, um, they're extremely cheap. They're, you know, and I think that's part of the reason why they were pushed as a product. There's a lot of profit margin there. um, And they're used for so many different things in cooking. Yeah. And then the other big reason, the big push was because There was a point in the 50s uh, where President Eisenhower had a heart attack and they blamed it on saturated fats. And so then they started looking for, well, what else can we use other than butter or um, animal fats that don't have as much saturated fat to then cook with? And that's when that whole vegetable oil boom became bigger. And margarine, right? Everybody started using margarine and all kinds of uh, Crisco, stuff like that. One of the things that people liked about this seed oil or vegetable oils are that they have no flavor, but it's because they chemically process it. They bleach it, they deodorize it so that it tastes like nothing. So when you're eating these foods that are cooked in these oils, you barely will ever taste the oil, even if it's rancid, um, because it's been cooked. And again, it's been deodorized and done all these things too. And this is sort of where I think people start deviating from from whether it's safe or not to that extent. I think that seed oils are not safe for what I just brought up. The degumming, uh, where they heat the oil with water and then they use some type of acid and then they use refining, which then mixes the oils with chemicals and then they bleach it and they deodorize it. So they're cooking these oils, which maybe they get rancid at 300 degrees while well, they're, they're heating it and deodorizing it at 400 degrees. And then that whole process it happens about six to seven times. So for sure, even in the bottle, even if you get the highest quality, it's already rancid by that time. I I think it is that main reason that these oils are not ideal. And then also then from a health perspective, we now know that butter is not the problem, that those types of animal fats are good. So not only is it that like, because of the processing and the way that these oils are made, 
they're not ideal, like you just mentioned, but also that the better alternative is animal fats, which we know right. are cleaner and then also more nutritional value uh, and just are not the bad fats that they were claimed to be in the 50s. Yes. And really today, a lot of people still think that like butter and animal fats are bad for you today. Right. And if you think about butter and animal fats, I mean, we're eating it just how nature made it and intended it. And a long time ago, McDonald's used to use tallow for their French fries, and now they use all of the vegetable oil. So McDonald's fries are far worse for your health now than it was back then. If you think about seed oils, why it even matters whether they are oxidized is if you remember in chemistry, we learned that electrons like to be paired. And when a lot of these seed oils are rancid, that means that they have electrons that are not paired. That's like the most basic term. And so when they go into your body, they wreak havoc. So they'll pull an electron from another part of your body, or they'll try to add on to another part. And a lot of people call this the whole react reactive oxygen species. And so essentially, it's these oils are not stable. And then when they go into your system, they cause a lot of inflammation, they cause a lot of ruckus in your body. And that is the biggest reason they are not good for you. And then there's a whole different community that it's not just the processing of these oils, but it's that they have a lot of omega-6s, the, the level of omega-6s versus omega-3s, and that is what is all-inclusive in this polyunsaturated fatty acids. They are the omega-3s and the omega-6s. But the argument is, long ago, we ate like omega-6 to omega-3 ratios of 4 to 1, and now these seed oils are 20,000 to one. And so they're super toxic for those reasons. And we went through the PUFA phase before you, we went through the PUFA phase in this community. Like that was the 2021 message where, <laughs> you know, a lot of people started saying that it's not the sugar's fault. It's the PUFAs. It's this chicken that is raised on eating grains or, um, you know, things that are not, you know, I don't know, whatever they, you know, or the, or the pigs, right. You're just chickens and pigs that are not pasture raised grain finished, like conventionally raised chickens and pigs that, uh, have these poly, uh, polyunsaturated fats. So those PUFAs, and that was the message now. And a lot of people in the carnivore space started eating fruit back in, you know, 2021 because of the fact that like, it wasn't the, you know, fruit's fault. It wasn't the sugar's fault. It's these PUFAs fault. And I think that's where that really big boom happened in our space. Right. But I think a lot of people still really believe that. I mean, Agreed. there's. Agreed. That's where it started. I just mean, yeah, like that's unfortunately where it started. And then, you know, you every podcast from like uh, both sides were saying like the PUFAs are the problem or you and I did an episode of saying like, okay, chill out about being worried about PUFAs. Right. And so we, it really was, that was the debate that was happening back then. And I think you know, we were a little bit ahead of the mainstream curve now and on the news and in regular um, places you see outside of like the health space, you see people talking about the negatives of seed oils. I don't think all seed oils are created equal. Um, you know, last time we talked about um, the homemade formulas and some of the homemade formulas, including Weston A. Price, they recommend using, for example, I think it's safflower oil, or maybe it's some of the high oleic sunflower oil. And it's because we need omega-6s. They are a essential nutrient. And all our cells, the outer layer, um, that phospholipid layer needs acetylcholine, which then is produced by some of the omega-6s. And there's actually a fatty acid test you can take called the Kennedy-Kruger test. 
And it tests for all of the omega-3s and 6s. And one of the SIRS doctors I work with, he told me that a lot of people are showing up omega-6 deficient because we are so now scared of omega-6s. And a lot of the other SIRS providers end up having people taking omega-6 from actual plants that are cold pressed. So it has not gone through that processing. But I think a lot of people in the carnivore community would see that and say, Oh, my gosh, that seed oils, it's so bad for you. But again, the context is different. These people need those omega sixes. And again, it has not gone through that solvents, the deodorizing, the heating, they're cold pressed oils, and, and it's the safest sense of omega sixes. So when you're looking at seed oils and you said not, they're not all created equal, is there a list of like the worst or the best, or can you clarify uh, for people like which ones would be considered the best or, and then the worst or yeah. I would have to look a little bit more into it, but some of the things, for example, is if it says cold press, that would be one of the ideals. So that means it hasn't really gone through heating. Um, I know that one of the companies I recommended for the formula is this goat milk formula recipe. They recommend organic high oleic sunflower oil and expeller pressed grapeseed oil. And again, I know people are going to be like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, super high omega-6 or maybe they're rancid, but these oils are actually touted to not be uh, rancid. There's one brand that the SIRS community recommends when people are depleted of omega-6. I'll put that in the links. I can't remember exactly what these the variants of that is. I'm pretty sure it's sunflower oil though. But again, that's the point. It's just what I've noticed in the wellness community is that we swing, we swing, oh, the kale is good. Well, now everybody's wearing kale, kale, yeah, shirts and kale is so good for us. And then we move on to quinoa, then we move on to celery. And and then we do the same with fear mongering, right, or this anti stuff. And I know a lot of people believe that seed oils are the culprit for illness. And the research is mixed. Now I am not saying to use seed oils at all cooking at home. I'm not saying to even consume a lot of it. But if we're going to restaurants, um, if there's a little bit of ranch at the restaurant, using a little bit, maybe a quarter teaspoon, um, occasionally, I don't think it's the end of the world. If you are limiting all or mostly all carbohydrates and processed foods, it's the context that matters. And I know there are people like Dr. Knobs and uh, Kate Shanahan and a bunch of people that are super against the omegas. But I have seen the needle move so much in health when it comes down to removing carbohydrates, processed carbs, sugars, and those types of foods, which I know a lot of times they have the seed oils. But I've also seen people that remove all of that. And then sometimes they still have a little bit of seed oils and they're still doing well. I think the important thing to realize is that the poison is in the dosage, right? And it's like you mentioned earlier that having those um, seed oils then cause ruckus in your body. Well, if you're having a little bit of seed oils, then it's causing a little bit of ruckus or inflammation or so much that little that you don't even really notice. But if you're having a lot of that seed oils, then it's a lot of ruckus that's causing your body and a lot of inflammation that's happening. So it would depend first and foremost, how sensitive you are what your health is like. If you're somebody who's coming from this with major autoimmune issues, with major healing that needs to happen, reversing a lot of things, then you're going to notice those things more than somebody else's who's just trying to lose weight or who's trying to get healthier. I'm somebody who was eating massive amounts of seed oils every day because I was eating fast food, fried food from a fast food restaurant every day. I was cooking it in my house every day. I was consuming it, I'm sure, in 
you know, in some large quantity every single day, I was making box brownies with a cup of, you know, canola oil in it or whatever that might be. And I used to use margarine full time. Like I didn't even realize like growing up, we always used, I grew up on a farm and we still used margarine just because that's what people thought they were supposed to do. And so it wasn't until like more recently that I even realized like, first of all, there's the, uh, how amazing actual butter tastes. Okay. So coming from all of that, I'm, I'm kind of the same way as you. I, I, we don't cook in it in our house. I avoid it when I can. If I'm choosing a restaurant, I try to choose a restaurant that I know doesn't use seed oil. That's why I go to Buffalo Wild Wings so much because they cook their chicken wings in beef tallow. But if I happen to be at a restaurant with coworkers kind of outside of my control, the only thing I can eat is chicken wings and it might've been fried in something sketchy. Like for me, based on my health, I'm totally fine and comfortable eating that. And then I'll just be aware of it and, you know, not consume those things every single day. And so I'm like you, if I eat ranch in a restaurant at some point, like I'll be okay. I'm fine with that. Um, and a lot of it all just depends on your context. And for me, it's the frequency in which I'm having those things. There was a chart I found. I'll have to link to it because I can't remember exactly the number, but it's almost that we're each adult in the US is consuming almost 100 pounds of seed oils a year. And if we're saying that we ate maybe half a pound of seed oils a year, that's a significant difference. And after I interviewed with Dr. Paul Mason, who brought up the difference with these rancid seed oils versus the PUFAs in the pork and the fish, as well as the chicken, there's a whole difference in that conversation. So when I started doing the research for my own PUFA paper, I started looking at a lot of the studies that these omega-6 anti-PUFA, anti-seed oil advocates bring up. And I looked at the studies, and to my shock, a lot of the studies do not advocate that these seed oils are that bad. Um, There was one specifically that had the list of lesions that were occurring in the animals. And again, based on the omega-6 and the fears of the PUFAs, you would think that the animals that ate the chicken and the pork would be hurting first or the seed oils, but it wasn't. The the seed oils, I think, were one of the highest. But then in the middle was tallow. And then later on, it was the pork and chicken. So it didn't even show backing for their arguments. And then in some of these studies, they also showed that the jury was out with the omega-6s, that some of them actually showed protective aspects rather than negatives. And my article wasn't about that. It was more about our poof is dangerous and meat. So I didn't really get into that. But there is a whole realm of evidence that actually shows that seed oils may not be that toxic. Now, I'm not for seed oils because I just told you because of the rancidity and the overheating and all of the um, the reactive oxygen species. But if you guys want to look at, there's a person called the Nutrivore, and he has been on Mark Smelly's podcast. <laughs> Mark Smelly, it's the Power Project podcast. Yeah, so he's he was on that podcast and talked about all the research he's done to show that the seed oils aren't that toxic, then he has a write-up and I will link to everything in the show notes. I also interviewed with Dr. Bill Harris, who is one of the founders and researchers in the omega-6 world. And he talks about how, thank God, our bodies are smart enough that essentially your bodies just because you eat a lot of omega-6s will not just be omega-6s in your blood, that your body will try to balance it as best as it can. It will not be the same as what you are consuming. 
And unless you are eventually sick, which I know a lot of people get there. But he talks about how your body has its own balance of if even if you eat a lot of omega sixes, your body will try to balance omega six and threes. And there's that research. And there's research with Dr. Peter Atia. And there's a lot. And that's my point is, in our community, in whether it's keto carnivore, we, we like to pick certain doctors and advocates and say, this person said, that we should never eat seed oils, that that is the crux of what is causing illness in our generation. But I've done the research in Carnivore Cure, and it's clear, around the 1960s, 1980s, illness has skyrocketed. But there, whoever you talk to in the wellness space, they will say it's because if you talk to a GMO expert, she will say that it's because all of a sudden we were using glyphosate around that time. Somebody else will say it's because we are using the soy. Somebody it's else the five G, like whatever it is. Everybody who, what their specialty in that field is all there's. We could pinpoint one reason from ten different reasons that yes. is the reason why we are all unhealthy. But the fact is, we are unhealthy as a society. We are more sick and fat than ever, and that's why I think the message of like what is the best way for the average person to heal is what I focus on for first and foremost. It's important to have that information, but we also have to live our everyday lives. I was traveling last week. My hotel was directly across the street from Junior's Cheesecake. I was in New York. It is the most famous cheesecake that you can get in New York. I have eaten in that Junior's Cheesecake 25 times in my life. Every time I've gone to like a Broadway show, it's like tradition. We go eat a piece of cheesecake afterwards. Being across the street from that all week and not eating it is one of the biggest accomplishments that I am so freaking proud of myself. This is a side note, but I'm just saying. I am so proud of myself because I haven't really had these trips to New York where I go see Broadway shows where I was there for work. I saw a show. Literally, I took a different route home to go in the back entrance of the hotel. So I didn't have to walk by this cheesecake factory or like juniors and be tempted with that because I knew I couldn't handle it. And I didn't really, I just didn't want the temptation. If I thought that I had to come home from that trip and sit there with a bag, you know, a bowl of grass finished organic, uh, pasture raised beef with my raw butter that was pasture raised. And I couldn't eat meat from the grocery store and I couldn't have seasonings on it because seasonings might contain toxins. And I had to make sure I ate liver and eat this. If I had to come home and have all these things that to make my diet perfect, to make sure that I was having the most optimized meal plan ever, I would have said, screw it. I just would rather eat cheesecake. But knowing I can come home, I was going to eat some like Greek chicken. I was going to have my favorite Greek seasoning on it. And I was going to come home and have like some amazing beef that was conventionally raised from the grocery store. I knew, okay, I don't need cheesecake. I'm going to go home and have some awesome steaks. Or I went to a restaurant with my coworkers instead, and I had an amazing ribeye. And you can ask them, please cook it plain, but I don't care how much you tell them that you can't have seed oils and you ask them to cook it without seed oils and with only butter as much as you, unless you're in a very, very expensive restaurant. Okay. I go to a lot of normal people chain restaurants and I can ask them to only use butter, but the majority of the time, like the cooking surfaces that they have are already going to be oiled up for some reason. Right. So if like, if I'm traveling and I can't have access to food, I'm just going to, personally just say, forget it. And I'm going to end up eating something that's way worse for me than like food in a normal restaurant. Like I have to live my normal life and do the best that I can. 
And like, I have a seasoning blend that I love. It's Greek freak seasoning. It's this giant thing of seasoning. And every time I post about it, I get comments because the very last ingredient is, I think it's sunflower oil or something. I don't even remember off the top of my head, but it's a seed oil or whatever. And I constantly get comments that are like, how can you eat that? It has a seed oil. It's a seasoning blend that has 15 ingredients in it. And the very last ingredient, which they're in order of quantity is a seed oil, which means in this giant liter of seasonings, maybe there's what a teaspoon. It's like an anti-caking thing. And maybe there's that. So then in the tablespoon of seasoning that I use on my piece of chicken to make a piece of chicken taste amazing, there happens to be microscopic nanos of seed oils on it. For me and my health, I'm perfectly fine with it. And it's something like that delicious seasoning blend that allows me to stick to this way of eating and has allowed me to not go back into having actual carbs and sugar and having all those things. Now I would never choose to fry my chicken in a bunch of canola oil at my house or deep fry it in, you know, whatever else that's tons of seed oils, but whatever is in that seasoning blend, I'm fine with. And that was a very long rant to say, like you, I have to live my life and worrying about every single restaurant that I go to and every single seasoning that I come in contact with is in no way realistic for me, nor am I concerned about those small amounts of seed oils that I'm getting. I'm totally fine with it. And that's, that's good for me. What's funny is canola oils actually have a good amount of omega-3. So their balance of (laughs) ratios are not even that bad to be really honest. But other than that, I really think I would love in a perfect world that all these people that have their opinions about what content influencers share that if they could just work with people, they would understand the realities of a lot of these things. And I'm pretty certain the people that are advocating really, really intently about the anti seed oils, most of them don't work with any specific patient. But what I can tell you is I recently worked with a new client and she told me that she, it's carnivore is just not working ideally. And she has followed to the T about all grass finished. She was shocked that I told her that if she wanted to eat grain fed meats that she could. And she said, really, is that really possible? Because last year we went on vacation and we couldn't eat out at any restaurant because I knew they only had grain fed meats. And that she makes said, me she's insane. And she's been miserable. And she she worked with somebody else and um, they were all about the grass finish, but it has not moved the needle for her to get better. And so I gave her the eat what you want and what you enjoy. I need you to get to the higher fat and let's see if you can heal. But so she, she literally was looking for my permission to see, can I eat the grain fed? And I said, unless your health says otherwise, I'm for it because so far for a year or two, you have only been eating grass finished meats and your health has not improved by much, nor has she lost weight. Right. And and she couldn't say anything other than that. And she's like, oh, okay, because yeah, it was really hard when we went on vacation. And I knew that, I mean, they literally, all they did was rent a place and they stayed there because they couldn't go out and eat. And that that just made me sad because again, it goes back to that dogma. And and then I think about uh, other clients I have that they they may have, occasional seed oils by going out to restaurants and they just live their life and they are losing weight because they have removed the carbohydrates. So, and again, we are not saying you buy oils. I mean, when I see people buying those seed oils at markets, I cringe, but, but 
going to a restaurant, having a little bit, not overly stressing about it, I don't think it moves the needle much. And I would honestly ask the people that are so against seed oils where they think that is the culprit. I would like them to see, and I challenge whoever wants to do it, and I will share their journey on my stories or on my newsletter, whatever platform. But I'd like them to do a challenge, do 90 days of just remove all seed oils, eat your grass-fed what, whatever foods you want, but I want you to add your sugars. And I would like you to see your blood work changes. And then you show me that adding the sugar was not the issue, but it was truly the seed oils. And then I, I will follow that up and I will eat seed oils for three months and I will challenge with my blood work too. And if someone is willing to do that with me, I'm happy to do that challenge because I know with my clients that that needle does not move enough. It is more of the carbs, the processed carbs, the sugar, and I'm even talking about processed carbs that don't have seed oils. Yes, the combination of seed oils plus carbs are horrible. But even if you just eat, I don't know, um, like Skittles, I don't think they have any seed oils. But like, if you eat a ton of Skittles, I mean, that is going to make you far worse than if you have an occasional, I don't know, a tablespoon of ranch once well, in a even while bananas eat out. like three a couple of bananas every day and this doesn't even have to be like crazy amounts of sugar but it's just eat a whole bunch of mangoes every day it would make me more inflamed it would cause me so many issues my blood sugar would get out of control way more than the ranch that i get from a restaurant not saying that the ranch is good absolutely not but we are not trading one for the other i think i obviously have you know, in the last few months been doing a lot of these, what I order in restaurant videos. And I have been intentionally picking large chain restaurants because I think that that's where, you know, the average person is trying to eat. So I'm going to Applebee's and, and Texas Roadhouse and I get so many, I hop, right. I get so many comments about it would be, that's not clean. They're using oils or it's cheaper to make that at home. You're so annoying. Stay at home. Like obviously all those. And yes, it would be easier, cheaper and cleaner for me to eat at home. But anybody who knows me knows that I, and when I'm in my own state, when I live in Arizona, I eat at home 90% of the time. We, our family goes out to lunch once or twice a month and that's it. I eat at home, but I travel for my job and I have to eat in restaurants when I have been eating. And so this all circles back to me about the poison is in the dosage. If I go to a restaurant with my family here, I feel no impact. I feel no difference by eating something like that. If I'm traveling for my job and I've been out and on the road for like a week and I've been eating in multiple restaurants, one or two a day, and I'm having who knows what they're cooked in. Yeah. By the end of the week, I'm feeling a little bloated. I'm feeling a little inflamed. I'm probably a little more tired. Like I can tell my body is ready to go home and eat cleaner. I can tell for me if when it's, but it's about the frequency of things. Um, and so I think that's where we obviously need to make sure this is an ideal Try to avoid it when you can. But I also think that sometimes picking this one thing to be so afraid of, like there are, you know, th things that other people do that I personally wouldn't do because it's not a good fit for my health, right? Um, whether that's alcohol or whether that's some people, including fruits, like whatever those are, I don't include those in my diet and my life because I can't, I don't think that they're healthy for me. I don't think alcohol in any really amount is healthy for me or fruit in any amount is healthy for me. And, but I don't have any issues with people that can handle it. And that just because those things are not help healthy doesn't mean that, you know, that there can't be any balance whatsoever for anybody. One of the issues is just the internet likes 
this polarization, or maybe that's just everything in society. It's- we like black and white yeah. for sure. People want to rule. I can eat this. I can't eat this. This is okay. This is not okay. They want a hundred percent. We all want the easy steps on how to heal, how to get better, how to lose weight. One, two, three, this is it. My husband's best friend had a triple bypass at the age of 39, 38. And we are just trying to get him off most carbs. If we really believe that it was seed oils alone, why aren't people just eating carbs? Like, I don't get that part, right? We can have all the rice, all the grains, all the bread that we make at home. Why can't we eat all those things? If that's not, if if the true cause of metabolic syndrome is seed oils, why aren't people that are advocating for, I am super opposed to any trace of seed oils, eat the carbs. I will even pay for your blood work because I just think, it's gotten to a point of such fear mongering. It is absolutely not ideal for health. I'm not questioning that, especially the ones that are rancid and have been overly heated. But it is not the thing that is fully causing people to be ill. It is the amount of sugar we are consuming nowadays, the amount of processed foods and um, the insulin resistance that comes from a lot of that. I mean, I asked Dr. Bickman is it the seed oils that are causing people to have insulin resistance? And he said it's a factor, but it's like a secondary factor and it is not one of the main factors. And he said that it's it's more of the excess blood sugar and constant eating and eating hyperpalatable foods. I know in the wellness space, we like to really latch onto an influencer, a researcher, a scientist, and we're like, everything that person says is true and it's gold. But I really challenge people to look at the studies because that's how I realized the more I looked into the studies, it wasn't exactly what they said. They would show like the, the title of the study, a high level view of the summary. But if you actually read the paper, there were actually counterpoints of omega-6s or the seed oils actually having a protective effect. And I think that's why the World Health Organization's okay with canola oil, because there's enough studies that show it can be protective. As much as it's toxic for us, there's actually data there. It's not like the World Health Organization is just agreeing with nothing. It's because there's data. And that's where people have to really wonder, when we follow certain influencers or researchers, are you actually looking at the studies that they're citing? And if you're not, then I don't really want to hear that if I share a beef jerky that has a little bit of something in it, that's not ideal. You know, I could hide that from you guys and not even share it. I purposely share it to show the real life. I don't want people to ever feel shamed of, oh, Nutrition with Judy only feeds her kids perfect foods and look at what I'm feeding. No, I wanted to normalize it. I want to normalize not giving you permission to feed your kids right. bad, but I'm trying to show you, hey, I'm not perfect either and I'm still okay with it. And I hope that most people... 90% of the days can try to eat clean. But if there are certain days where you have to eat out at a restaurant that you're not like the couple that I just brought up that literally stayed home and or in their rental home, and they brought their meat because they couldn't enjoy outside because some influencers said that seed oils are the thing that's going to kill them. Because what's going to keep you healthiest long term is whatever way of eating is going to keep you consistent, I guess, like, yes. or whatever is going to help you be healthiest long-term is not finding this optimal way of eating because most people aren't going to stick to that in times of stress, in times of frugality, when you're unprepared, like this has to be a way of eating that you can stick to forever. 
and not completely go off the wagon. You could eat the most optimal, perfect, you know, way of eating, follow all the expert advice and, you know, meat, salt, water only. But if you could only stick to that for a week at a time or a month at a time or six months even, and then you completely go off the rails, like that's not going to be any more helpful. It's about, you know, I'm an all or nothing person. I can't have something, you know, I can't have desserts occasionally uh, and stay on track, but it truly is though. If people can, there's likely nothing wrong with that, right? It's really about what are you doing 90% of the time? Um, that's, that's keeping you healthy. And there are certain things that I incorporate occasionally because it helps me to live a real life. It gives me convenience. It gives me pleasure and joy, and it's not causing me to go off the rails. I can't include sugar and things like that occasionally because it will cause me to go off the rails. But if I'm having ranch at a restaurant occasionally, it causes me joy and pleasure. And I'm sorry, I cannot and will not ever be one of those people that just says, food is fuel and it gives me no pleasure and joy. And I try really, really, really freaking hard to not use food for emotional stress release and comfort and all of these things. But at the end of the day, it has to taste good to me and I have to enjoy it or I am going to completely go back to all of those other ways. It's why we love to talk about the nutritional benefits of carnivore and how amazing it is for you health wise. And thank God, because if it wasn't, <laughs> I would probably still be doing this anyway, because it's what helps me. Obviously I feel great, but like it tastes so good. And I enjoy eating meat so much that it makes it so much easier for me to stick to because I don't have to deal with, you know, the falling off the rails from all the other things that are tempting. And if, if I thought I had to like, it's honestly, it's why I quit making claims that I was ever going to give up cheese and saying that I was going to give up dairy right. because it brings me too much joy. I have to be aware of the frequency in which I eat it. I have to be aware of not consuming it all the time, too much volume, but I can't tell you that I'm never going to give up, that I'm you know, going to give up cheese forever. I would probably be healthier and I would probably be thinner if I did that. But to me, it's worth it because it's what allows me to be consistent and not eat actual dessert because I get my little piece of cheese for, you know, after my meal, it helps me break that sweet craving, like all of those types of things, like whatever you're doing, you have to be able to stick to it. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. I used to get frustrated. I reached out to a fasting expert once on uh, social media a long time ago. And I said like, what's the best way of fasting to lose weight and um, be the most healthy. And I got so irritated because his response back to me was it's whatever you fasting window that you can stick to. Mm. And I was like, dang it. I want to know what's the best fasting window for me to lose weight. And now I, people ask me the same thing all the time. When should I be fasting? How much should I eat this? How much, you know what the answer is? It's whatever allows you to stick to it. Right. That's what the best way for you to eat is so that you can hit those goals and be the most healthy that you can be that at the end of the day, that's, that's kind of how I feel. I went through nutritional therapy school and then I got the board certification. I've read so many books. If you guys follow my content, I am such a bookworm and audio content worm with a lot of this nutrition stuff. I love it. And I know that there are optimal, ideal types of meats, types of dairy and stuff. And I don't bring it up as much because when I started working with carnivores, that's when you see the real life and what is realities with sticking to it. I mean, when you have a 300 pound woman that hasn't seen her son because she was scared of COVID and she was scared that because she's overweight, she would get COVID. And when you see that and she's just like, how do I stop binging? How do I stop eating sugar? 
I'm not going to say to her, well, you need to eat grass finished only on a teacher's budget and eat. Don't ever eat out in a restaurant. Don't ever have processed cheese. Never eat anything outside of your home. Only use salt because seasoning blends might contain other things. Like, come on. Yeah. So I, I told her you eat what you can so that you can go see your son. And so th- that's why, I mean, I trust me, I am a fan of raw dairy. And I know that just like with, I mean, to be, let's be fully candid right now. The processed dairy that we all consume, even my family consumes, the ones that are pasteurized, they can be arguably as unideal as the seed oils are because the pasteurization right. process makes them have these weird things too. That is the truth. You kill off nutrients and enzymes that your body could normally digest. And now you're taking them and you're adding fortified vitamins. So if you want to get technical with nutrition, then we should all stop eating all types of dairy because whether it's the pasteurized real dairy at the store or you're getting the ones from McDonald's and other restaurants, they're all not that ideal for you unless it's raw dairy. But I don't go to that level because if you can't get dairy, at least it's another option and it's real life. And that's the same argument I have with the seed oils. Again, I'm not saying seed oils are good for us, but it's just that balance of real life. We need to think about that half of America is nearly obese and now our kids are becoming obese. It is not about this wellness is only for the wealthy or wellness is only for the privileged. I I refuse to accept that to be true. My parents eat almost all grain fed they are on zero medications. They are 70 years old and they're thriving. And you know what? They refuse to buy grass fed because they are very economical. And they're like, why would I pay more for meat when there's a cheaper version? And I'm not going to argue that because their markers look really good. And my husband that eats Jack Links because it's on sale. And yes, there's soy in it and other stuff that's not as ideal. Well, when his CRP is under one and his triglycerides are in the 70s, I have nothing to argue. I honestly thought his markers weren't going to be good. And then I could say, see, you need to cut down your carbs. And it didn't show up. And you know what? That That's real life. And I want to be a nutritionist that advocates for real life where we can live in this world and not feel so outcasted, but also be able to eat at restaurants and still live our lives, even drinking from a plastic cup with water that's probably not the most ideal but you're still living and enjoying life instead of being orthorexic, living at home, not being able to go out because, hey, your meat might have had some estrogen hormone injected into it. And that level of fear is just, I mean, do you want to feel that well with the quality of food you eat, but then you're scared of everything that you're surrounded by? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty sad place to be. And I know eating in restaurants like this, you knew when you share the Jack links that you were going to get pushback from it and you were going to get negative comments. And I know with certain things that I share and certain restaurants that I go to or certain seasonings or products that I eat, that I'm going to get pushback for it. You know what? Those are things that I eat in my real life. Those are things that I am fine consuming. Those are things that I have no problems myself consuming because it helps keep me on track and my health is great and I'm fine with them. Some of them with less frequency than others, but that's kind of how it is, right? Like it depends on the frequency. And I, if it's, if I'm feeling unwell, then I'll go back to, to doing none of those things and in eating at home. But just like we've shared on other podcasts, whose responsibility is it to decide what's right for you? Is it my responsibility to only share products that are like the most perfect right. ideal option for everybody ever or restaurants that are, you know, maybe going to have some type of oil that they're cooking in, or is it, you have to decide what's going to work for your health 
and your context uh, and just understand that like, we're just trying to share what's, what's real. And we're just trying to share like what's real in my life. I mean, I could tell you that what, before I shared the the stories of me buying all these Jack links, I had a simple thought of I'm not going to share it because if I don't share it, it's never happened. But I purposely shared it because I knew I knew that people would say, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're buying beef jerky that has sugar in it and other things. And I share intentionally to be, hey, I'm not perfect. And and I'm okay with that. And my my family eats that. And we have to also think then all the other people do you really think they never eat anything that has seed oils or sugars or eat? I mean, come on, guys, yeah. like this is real life. We are intentionally sharing things that are not so ideal. Well, it's easier just not to share it. I could easily just not have shared that story and not have shared all those things. But I do it right. intentionally to break some of that perfection. Because long ago, people would ask and say to me, man, you are such a good mom and you share you, you feed your kids so well. And I, I wish I could only do half of that. And that right. made me feel bad. I felt like, oh, okay, I need to share a little bit more of when my kids eat sugar, a little bit more of less perfect foods, because that's really real life. And I want people to never feel like I'm better than them, or I do better than them, because I probably don't. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, we're going to talk about, I think next week, we're going to get into like talking about our kids more and that balance of everything. So it'll be a good segue from this episode, but you know, I don't show pictures of some of the treats and stuff that they eat. Cause I don't want to trigger people, right. but we, I, I talk about it a lot and like the balance of how, how they eat. And I think that the same thing goes for me. I know the foods that have to be an absolute no for me that I can't handle. It's why I don't drink alcohol or like a few other things, but, um, you know, there are things that I am fine with as long as the frequency is low. And, and it's just, it's what helps me stick to this. And for me at the end of the day, I'm just trying to be healthy and be consistent with this. And that's still the biggest focus for me is like just doing the best that I can is really the only thing that I can do every day. As Laura talked about frequency, I know some people may think, well, if my frequency of consuming sugar or consuming fruit is little, then maybe it's okay. And maybe it will be okay for you, depending on your blood work, depending on your relationship with food. But what I can tell you is from the many hundred people I've worked with, the mood, the needle that moves with a little bit of sugar versus a little bit of seed oil, there's a huge difference. For some people, that one fruit keeps them out of ketosis and they have low energy on a low carb or yeah. ketogenic diet. Whereas if you have, whether it's a tablespoon of seed oils or not, it doesn't move the needle that much. And for most people, there is no addictive side to seed oils where there is with sugars and fruits. So you have to figure out what makes sense for you. This message is not about consume a lot of seed oils. This message isn't about eat zero carb. You have to find what works for you. And we are just sharing why we share a but little bit of. And let's stop blaming our entire poor health on one small aspect, whether that is fruit or whether that is seed oils or whether that is gluten or whether it's conventional meat, like whatever it is, it's not one thing. That's the reason why we personally are unhealthy or overweight or our society is overweight and unhealthy. It's, it's kind of everything combined. Yes. And a lot of the, you know, inactivity in our society, like, you know, there's just so many factors that it can be that we need to work on improving all of them and not just focusing on the one that we deem is the reason. Yes.
And if your diet is so perfect that you notice every few weeks you crash and burn and then you end up binging off foods that are less than ideal, maybe it's the perfection that you're going after that's making you struggle. And that's when maybe being able to eat at restaurants and eating a little less than ideal foods that have been cooked in a little bit of seed oils, maybe that will give you the balance that allows you to be consistent. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure we ruffled feathers with this one, Judy. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know. Thanks. I'll put all the links in the show notes. So if you want to look more into the um, the seed oils that I was talking about and the counter arguments, um, please feel free to do so. And again, if anyone wants to do the 90 day challenge of eating zero seed oils, but adding at least two to 300 grams of carbs, I welcome it. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>